Hello there, beautiful people of the universe. Welcome to episode 35 of Shine Brighter with Liz. Can I get a hallelujah? Amen. Praise Jesus. We made it to 35 freaking dickin' episodes. That is a huge accomplishment for me. Yes. Come on. Consistency creating dope-ass content. I mean, I'm just joking, guys. I'm really, really, really grateful that this podcast has become such a fun outlet for me and being able to connect with people um, from my guests to my audience. It's been such a blessing. I highly encourage, if this is something that you're interested in doing, explore this medium. It's a really fun and creative medium um, to express authenticity and just reach people in your way, in the way that you like to connect with people. And I love conversations. I'm a communicator and this is really fun for me. So I'm really grateful for those of you who are enjoying it. For my last episode, I got a lot of great feedback and I just wanted to acknowledge that. Um, In season three, I'm trying to do something a little bit different where I'm incorporating a lot of what season one was and a lot of what season two was and kind of putting them together where it's like in between episodes, I'm kind of having a more vulnerable talk of just something that's happening in my life or something I'm walking through and just want to share with you in a more freestyle kind of format. Um, No editing, just kind of freestyle talking and seeing what that's like. And I got a lot of positive feedback from the last episode and it really touched my heart to see that a lot of you guys really related to a lot of my shame and what I've walked through. some people saying like oh like it just left me sobbing and I'm just really grateful that you were able to talk about this I'm so glad because I was so scared sharing it and I was so hesitant about I I was struggling a lot with like should I even talk about sexuality like is that something I want to talk about am I sending the wrong message like but no like I think speaking authentically and speaking truthful about every area of your life is what you're called to do and understanding that you're not perfect and there's elements in your life where you know there's things that you got to talk about because as humans we are complex so i'm really glad that you guys vibed with that episode and, and and really connected to it and if you haven't listened to it take a second to kind of listen to the episode before you listen to this one because we talk about some similar topics and it'd be cool if you are a part of the whole conversation Um, but today's guest is super dope and i'm so honored to have her as a guest and i can't wait for you guys to listen to this amazing conversation today's guest is eileen kyoko she is super dope she's a playwright she's an actress she's a female empower um, and she's super aware of her sexuality and she shares it in a very authentic way in this episode we dive into her process of creating her show called the year of the solar eclipse which is a show around three females and exploring their sexuality their sensuality their relationships their shadow sides and ultimately it's just this beautiful masterpiece that really touched me in such a profound way and i was amazed by the fact that she was able to write such complex characters and really bring that to life and display so many of what everybody feels on a day-to-day and be able to write that and showcase that and really just speak to a large audience and so yeah it was really fun exploring that process of how she created this show and I'm hoping and praying that this beautiful masterpiece becomes something even greater so let's see what that brings Um, but we also dove more into like female sexuality and what that looks like and its complexities and the shame around and all of that 
Um, so it was a really fun episode. I cannot wait for you guys to listen in. So strap yourself on. Let's uh, get excited for episode 35. All right, we are recording. I am so pumped to have you on the podcast today. And I'm so excited to just dive in deep with you in all these different areas. Yay, I'm so excited too. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Okay, so for those people who are listening right now, tell them who you are. Um, what were you like as a kid? What did you want to be when you grew up? And what's been your journey? Like from where you are now to, I mean, from where you were in the beginning to where you are now. Okay, great. Um, I'm Eileen Kyoko, and I live here in New York City. And um, as a child, um, well, as a child, I think I was pretty quickly connected to my creativity. I was like, um, I got, I always just wanted to be in like the school plays and everything. And I, I think that when I think about myself as a child, I think I remember being really into like, acting and theater and like wanting to put on a show all the time. Um, then there was also another part of me that I felt like was always battling fear of some kind and always kind of like being like, so when I was, um, I think maybe, I don't know, preschool, I was asked to be sleeping beauty and I tried it, but I was too scared to close my eyes and like stay with my eyes closed. So I like gave up the part so I think that there was a lot of battling around kind of fear and like kind of growing into myself and not being so as attached to like my parents and my sisters as I was. Um, but it, I was just the kid who was like in our family vacations was like getting me and my cousins and my sisters together to put on a play that I wrote or like that we read from a book and we were like, we're going to make this into a little um, skit. So we're making like all the parents sit down and watch us perform. So that was a lot of what I remember. I, um, so I grew up in the Philippines. So it was um, like, it was a different situation. My mom is Japanese. My dad's American. And so I went to an international school Um the upbringing was super special because I had, I've grown up with like a really close group of friends. Like I went to the same school from kindergarten to when I graduated as a senior um, from high school. So I was at that school for 13 years. And um, I think what really I learned in that time was just how important my friendships were. I was really like, felt like they were like, family on a lot of levels and because we were having this like special experience growing up overseas there was definitely a bond there about that and um I think also being someone who was like half American half Japanese growing up in the Philippines there was a lot of like identity crisis happening and not knowing totally who I was um and this was something I think a lot of my friends related to so after I graduated from high school, I um, went on a little bit of like a, I think, my own like identity crisis. Um, I moved to Washington, D.C. and I went to school there for a year, like had a really good time, got in a lot of trouble, was a little crazy. And um, 
I felt again, just like I didn't belong. And even though I, I had a lot of good friends there, I just, the school was a very um, conservative school. It was a Catholic school. And there were a lot of things that I just wasn't used to. And I felt like I needed to um, search for something else. So from there I went to, I somehow convinced my parents to let me like go to Europe for a year. And so I went there for a year, kind of still in this, like, you know, I, I mean, I was so grateful for this experience and being able to, um, to travel. Um, but I was definitely like, just trying to like live and explore. So I actually took five years to graduate from college because I went there. And then afterwards I moved to North Carolina, um, where my family had moved to. And then I finished finally in Wilmington, North Carolina, finally finished college. And um, I think Wilmington was a place where I really discovered a lot of, like kind of reconnected back to my creativity. Mm. Um, and then from there, I, so all my life I wanted to move to New York. Like literally, I remember when I was in high school, I was like, I just want to move to New York and I'd never even been to New York. So I, went to New York, I think when I was in high school for the first time and I saw the play Rent and I was like crying and I was in Times Square and I don't know, at the time I was like Times Square. So, um, so I kind of knew that I would go to New York. And so I moved to New York and from there it's been like a, I mean, it's been a journey here. I feel like I've lived so many different lives here and I came here, um, kind of pursuing like a lot of different creative things. Like I was editing films. I was kind of into fashion. Like I was still trying to figure out what I was going to do because I had um, come from, I just been trying a lot of different things. And then I reconnected with my love of acting kind of soon into living here. And I remember I was like, okay. So I knew I had a long history with acting because I acted like all through, um, elementary school and high school but I had stopped due to like insecurities and just feeling like it wasn't something I was going to be able to make it and do and so I told myself I was just going to take one acting class for fun and sometimes it's hard for me to get into something as a hobby I get very obsessive and I'm like this is going to be my whole career and so I started I went into I took one acting class and I just like fell back in love with it and I had these amazing friends in the class and we started making web series together and we started writing and meeting every Monday at Whole Foods. Um, so we made like a production company called Monday Night Pictures because we meet every Monday night and um, that was kind of my journey into getting back into acting and getting back into the creative performance world and then from there I have just continued to like explore and find like what in this space is the right place for me right wow so that is, that's been the journey <laughs> yeah that to sum up the past many years of my life in, in short <laughs> that's beautiful i mean okay so i obviously went to go see your play yes so, tell me Tell the audience first and foremost about the play, like the name of the play, about the play, and then we can talk about the journey of creating this beautiful masterpiece. 
Um, thank you. So uh, the play is called The Year of the Solar Eclipse. And um, the play is about three women who are exploring different sides of themselves um, in this year um, that the solar eclipse has hit. And so the play takes you on a journey through the different seasons and also kind of like acts as a metaphor, the, the solar eclipse acts as a metaphor for the drama and the comedy that is happening throughout the play. Um, all three of the main girls are going through very like, um, life-changing self-discovery phases in their life and one of the themes in the play is that they're really exploring their own like sensuality and figuring out and dealing with um, shame and unraveling that and just finding a um, a place to really just finding out where they belong in all that and where their voice is so um they're all very different, um, but they all, in a lot of ways, like, represent um, sides of, of, of a lot of different women I've known in my life, including myself. And um, Angelina is a dominatrix. She's exploring. She kind of has her own... All the girls have a shadow side, and so that's a big theme in the play. And so her shadow side has lost to do with intimacy, um, Elle has a lot of shadow sides around shame and um, being more bold and also just authentic and true to what she wants, um, not just sexually, but also like in her life and knowing that they're all connected in a lot of ways. And she's a, spent a lot of time putting up a wall against her um against what she wants and she's been closing that down so we kind of go into that and, and see her battle i think it's a very relatable story um ivy is also a very relatable story um but i feel like it's done a little bit differently so ivy's going through a really massive breakup um one that she did not see coming and so we kind of watch her on this journey through single life um but also like a lot of things kind of get unraveled for her. So um, that's what you, that's the journey of the play. And um, so we put it up at the Wild Project this past, past few months. Yeah. Wow. It was, honestly, I didn't know what I was walking into. So for the audience, obviously I've already shared that I'm going through a breakup and well, went through the breakups <laughs> and um, I watched the play literally the same week of my breakup and it was too close for home for me to enjoy like I was like yeah I'm so touched by every single one of those girls but I also felt so incredibly empowered I felt so empowered by watching it because I felt like I felt really seen by you Eileen like I felt like you really understood my pains and you displayed them really mm. beautifully on stage and it was like so refreshing to understand that my shame is not unique to me and that like so many people go through this and that you're not mm -hmm. about these like specific things when it comes to like desires or like, you know, even in relationships or like what you seek, um, you know, um, like the, the not letting somebody too close to you or, you know, exploring your sexuality and what that's like. And I just felt like it was so refreshing to watch it because I fell in love with all the characters. I mean, besides the fact that you had amazing actors on stage that really brought mm -hmm. the to life, like they really brought all of, I couldn't take my eyes off of any of them because they were so believable. 
um, and they just they just really the words and the work really touched me and um, more than anything empowered me to understand that um, you know we do go through different seasons in our life and what mm-hmm. that looked like and just um, I felt very empowered I felt like there was a very female empowerment to the play where I felt like um, like, like I'm going to be okay. Like I felt like while I was watching the play, like I'm going to be okay. Yeah. Yeah. Like this is just a season and mm-hmm. um, these things that you're feeling like are normal and human. And we're going to talk about that. And there's like yeah, like, releasing of shame when you talk about these core things that so many people, because what shame does is it wants to hide and like it doesn't want anyone to talk about it and it's going to be more taboo and like who wants to talk about right. any of these topics and like what you did was like, no, 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 we're going to talk about shame and we're going to display it in like such a realistic scenario where it's like this is exactly the way that shows up and how shame will like push up against friendships and relationships and like how it like plays in your everyday life and I just felt like um, it was just really refreshing to watch and I was so um, inspired by you because I was like, wait, did you like write it? Like, how did you write these (laughs) lives? Like these are, and that's what I think I find so fascinating about writers is that like, how did you like serve each of these characters and like know their lives so well and like their complexities and their shadows. And it's like, what was that process for you? Um, well, well, firstly, I'm so glad you got all that from the play because that was definitely what I wanted um, people to walk away with. Um, so in terms of the process, well, okay, so it kind of started with my own story. Um, I was, of course, going through a pretty massive breakup. And um, it was something that, you know, we'd been in a really long relationship for seven years. We lived together. Um, we had, I had moved to New York and he had moved to New York um, as well to follow me. And so it was such a long relationship and one that I'd spent so much of my 20s in. And, um, I did not see it coming and it was very like shocking and I think it was and it was more than just the actual loss of that person which I think I kind of quickly was able to see the good in why that relationship wasn't right for me anymore but there was a lot of grieving from going from being in a relationship to being on your own and having built a life with someone, like having bought furniture together and like set up your home together and had a routine together for years. And then all of a sudden to be in like a renting a room in like a three bedroom apartment with like girls who, who were amazing, but also like it wasn't the same thing. Um, so that whole process, I felt like, I mean, I think when I was going through that, I felt a little bit like I was going through a movie. Like there was just, it was like so much of it was so painful and so much of it was so funny. Like there was a lot of just like hilarious things happening. Um, I had basically never dated in um, New York City and really ever. And if there's anywhere to like first start dating, it's New York City. So, um, So it was, you know, I kind of like, I was like okay well I should like date for fun whatever um and so I started like I just started having experiences kind of right away and I started having um I had met someone kind of like earlier earlier on and had like a sort of adventure where he like 
flew me to he he didn't live in um he didn't live in america he lived in canada but he like flew me to him for a weekend like we met at a wedding so that was like a funny fun experience and then from there to go to um the other place like just meeting people on tinder and then also just moving into this new phase of my life so i was like i feel like so i mean think for a lot of artists feel this way but the way that I've always like expressed been able to deal with any like pain in my life or any uh, difficult or even like a joyful expression has been through creating art and I feel almost like I have to like I have to express this and or else it will explode inside of me and I was definitely at a time where I feel like I was like you know what I'm just gonna I'm going to say yes to everything that comes my way. I'm going to say yes to a date. I'm going to say yes to hanging out with my friends. Like, I'm going to say yes to everything. So, so much of my life was, like, I felt like I was bringing in so much content because I was just living. And um, so I started, like, I think um, I I decided to quit my acting class because I was – so I was at a two-year conservatory, and I was, like, basically like five, six months away from being done with the whole program. And it had been a pretty like grueling program that was, um, you know, around Meisner and beautiful in a lot of ways, but also I didn't think it was right for me at that time. Like I was really fragile. Um, And then of course, you know, acting is a place where you get to cry a lot, but I just was feeling like this was, I, I felt like I needed to be, really expressing myself and really like enjoying my life um and not in this like um this like acting class all the time because it was very demanding it was like being in like grad school and it also was honestly being a lot more pulled towards writing and expressing myself that way than I was towards acting and that was one of the first things that happened like after I went through the breakup I started about my career and thinking about like is this the right thing should I be doing this what what's the right and it was like it wasn't just questioning him it was questioning all all the areas of my life and like was I just have I just been living like a safe life am I happy am I even happy and so it was just everything was kind of like exploding so I um so yeah so I started I quit my class and it was a really hard decision, but when I did it, I believe that I felt like happier than I ever had. Um, and then I started, I didn't regret it at least. Um, so then I wrote the play, I started writing it and I wrote it pretty quickly. Like I had a, you know, this is the first version of it. So this was two years ago. So it didn't have some of the things that you watched. Um, but I wrote that version of it and then I submitted it to a theater festival and um, it got in. First got into the festival, I wasn't accepted as a, a full length play, I was accepted as just a reading. And I feel like I was so, I felt like this was like my life force. Like I was like, I have to do this play and I don't want to do it as a reading. I want it to be like a full, like, I want it to be an entire production. And I, was kind of like not willing to take no as an answer. And so I wrote them and was like, you know, I really feel like this play needs to be like a full line play, blah, blah, blah. And then they were like, okay, fine. Um, And then they, you know, they were like, okay, we'll give you like four performances. I was like, actually, can I have six performances? Like I just, 
kept kind of asking for what I wanted and just pushing for it. And they were like, sure. So I was like, okay, great. And then that was a really beautiful healing time. Like spent the next few months creating the play and, um, it was, yeah, it was, it was a wonderful experience. And then, um, we put that version of it up, um, had great actors kind of like had a really awesome team and, the feedback was really strong. Um, a lot of people came to see it and a lot of people said really great things. So that was a year and a half ago. And then after that, I was like, you know what? I'm still not done with the story. Like, I feel like there's so much more to discover. Um, that version of the play, I believe, was a little less um, about sexuality and sensuality. It was a lot more about Ivy's breakup. It was a lot more about like, um, grieving, there was, like, still, Elle has, you know, a monologue about something where there is a lot of, like, sexuality involved in that, but it, I felt like I still had more to discover in this, and I was, like, what's gonna make it different this time, so I, um, and then around that time, so everything, you know, is always comfortable for my personal life, and around that time, I, I started dating, um, my current boyfriend, Mark, and so when, we started dating. I also kind of like paid attention to the things happening in my life. And like, he was the first person that, you know, I fell in love with after my relationship had ended. And I was kind of moving into being like in a relationship again. And so from there, I, you know, he was always like, what are you doing next? And I'm like, I'm, I think I'm going to put this play up again. I just need to rewrite it. And so um, he actually recommended to me because uh, he was super helpful in the process, but he recommended I might want to work with like a writing mentor because I tried to go to writing classes and it wasn't the right thing for me. So I found, I interviewed several different mentors to find the right person. And I found someone um, who was based in California who said that he would read the play. So I started working with him and I would send him a draft. I sent him my original draft and then told him kind of like, here's the outline of where I want to go from here. And so I would do that. And then I think, I mean, writing is so hard sometimes and you just spend so much time like wrecking your brain. And like, I think I honestly wrote like one version of the play that was totally different. I mean, I had many months of being in like, uh, I felt like a type of writer's block. So I finally wrote, um, I, I came up with this idea of the shadow side. I was like, I think it needs to be, like, why the solar eclipse? Like it, it's about their shadow side, what are they hiding? And so I really tried to go deeper into each character, who they were, what what they were afraid of. And like, I'm also very interested in like psychology and like, and I, you know, and also like just the beauty of having um, studied acting for so many years is that question of like, why do we do what we do? Like, why, why do we act on the surface or why do we have these behaviors and these habitual ways of being like, and it's kind of like what we were talking about before, like, why is someone scared? Like, why is someone hurt? And so I'm just super interested in that. And that was something that I wanted to explore in every girl, like, why they were the way they were. Um, and then I tried to bring that also into the men. And um, and then I've always been, in terms of like the tone of writing, I am, um, I think, naturally drawn towards 
comedy. I think not, I don't necessarily like love watching comedy all the time, but I think like I, a lot of times can view life as a comedy. Like I can be like incredibly dramatic and then I can be like, this is hilarious. Um, and I think that, you know, really good comedy is based on a really a story that could just be dramatic. And I think it's, it's a lens to view the world and to see like, okay, this is like, seems super dramatic, but like there's something like, you're always gonna be able to find at least most of the time some humor and things. So um, so that's kind of why the, the style of it is like that dramedy type of thing and tried to create these characters who were sort of like a few of them that are a little bit larger than life. And it was, um, when I worked on the new script, I, you know, invented some new characters who were a little bit more, um, they were like, I don't want to say they were less grounded, but they were definitely like, I was using like the beauty and magic of the theater to create characters that were like a little out there. And I did bump up onto some resistance with other people and they'd be like, I don't think this character is like super believable, Eileen. Like, would they really talk like this? Would they really, and I was like, actually, I feel like I've met some crazy people, like not crazy people, but you know, I've met some characters in my real life that you, if I told you about, you would think I was making it up, but I'm not making it up. So, um, and I think that that's like the beauty of theater is that you're able to um, take what is just like real life and you're able to like make it a little bit more magical, a little bit more like out there and absurd. So, um, so yeah, so that was like the process of writing like the second draft of it. And then we um, kind of went through the process of putting it up again. Um, Mark helped me find the wild project. And then I teamed up with one of my good friends, Melanie, who um, was really passionate about a lot of the things I was passionate about in terms of casting diversely, having a diverse team. That was important to both of us. Um, I think as being a minority actress and artist, that is something that is really, I just think in all my work is always going to have like diversity in it. And so we were both very aligned in that. And so she and I kind of went on the journey in the past year to like raise money for it and um, kind of confirm the theater and put everything together. And so that's been like what it's taken to, to the wild project version that you saw. Wow, girl. Oh Dude, kudos to you. Super dope that you found a mentor to write with. I think that's so cool and like such a good advice that Mark gave you because I feel like I've written a one person show before and um, I think having my advisor and having like my, my peers like read my drafts and give me feedback was the coolest experience and what allowed me to really like develop my ideas and I felt like I needed that I don't know how people just write and they're like good I mean I'm sure people get it reviewed but I feel like writing for me needs to be like this collaborative process so sometimes mm -hmm. I have like for example the other day I was sitting down and this happens to me all the time and I'm sure it happens to you like the other day I was sitting down with my roommate in the living room and like we were just talking about relationships and like boys or whatever and like it's like our frustrations you know like what else do people really talk about in life? And yeah. I was like laughing and I was like eating ice cream or something like that. And then I go, you know, what's so funny is that girls, like we probably make this like whole drama about the situation. And then like, you see the guy's perspective and they're like just playing video games or they're like, they don't like, they're not even spending like 
half as much time thinking about whatever you're thinking about. And I just find so much humor in the way, like, also, like, our complexities. Like, mm-hmm. like me, I feel like I'm very neurotic in my thinking. Like, I'm very, um, I jump to conclusions. I'm, like, obsessive. So I start creating these, like, whole melodramas. And then later on, like, I'm like, that is so funny, Liz. Like, that's hilarious. Like, um, my one-person show was all about my panic attacks. And like, oh, okay. I have severe panic attacks. And so my show was about, like, therapy, panic attacks, like, mm. like what that looked like on stage and um, how it like actually stemmed to do my childhood and like my abuse and like not having my dad in my life and what oh that God, was. I'd love to read that. It's so you, cool. could, you could watch it. I'll send it to you. Yes. Um, yeah. I would love to like explore it again, but I feel like maybe not. I don't know. I definitely want to explore writing. Um, but I find like relationships, like the complexity of people. And I feel like, especially, um, We've been doing the 21 Day Abundance, which we yes. about. We've been doing yes. everything together. Um, so for those of you listening, Eileen uh, told me, let's do a 21 Day Abundance pa- uh, Challenge with uh, Deepak Chopra. And we had like an accountability group. And um, I feel like the biggest takeaway that I've learned in my meditation is how complex I am and like mm-hmm. how much stuff I have inside that I've never discovered about myself. and then like in the process of discovering myself, I've become so curious of other people and seeing like, oh, so I have her from like my childhood that stems into this and like I'm right. of myself because I don't want to be like, I'm scared of intimacy, but I, but I seek in intimacy, but I have a lot of shame around my sexuality because, mm-hmm. oh, wow, I didn't even realize I had this conversation with my stepdad and he mm-hmm. started dressing this way, or I've actually been a victim of this, or like just understanding like there's, there's so much complexity to me instead of this like surface level. And it's made me really curious about other people and their complexities, like understanding that like, just because I might see you as oh, wow, like, she's a Christian. Okay, but there's more. Like, why? Like, oh, this person's, like, doesn't like monogamy. But why? Right, right. Why, why, why? Like, I want to question and, like, me too. people, you know? Yeah. What do you feel like has been your biggest, like, takeaway from this challenge that we've been doing, the meditation? You know, I think one thing that I've really taken away is, like, how abundant – I am slash we all are in ways that like I I guess it's not that I didn't realize before but you know I think we spend a lot of time like wanting more and it's not necessarily a bad thing because we want to grow we want to expand once we get to one place then we want the next thing and I think it's not always like even a material thing but kind of in our careers and our dreams and what it made me realize because there's a lot of like writing down what you have already and there's this one exercise it's like I have like write all the things you have and what, what you have them for. Like I have a phone to connect me to people. I have like um, this water to keep me hydrated. And it's so simple, but it's like, actually, I do actually have so much at my fingertips. And like, especially right now and living like in New York, living in this place, so much convenience around us. Um, that has been a beautiful thing. And then also, when you just think about the abundance and the love of like your friends, your family or whoever, your significant other um, or your cat or your dog or yourself. So I think that 
realizing how actually abundant we are um, is a great like first thing to realize. And then I think you can all, I think it's natural for us to want to grow as humans. It's natural for us to want to like be better and have more, but like always remembering like what we have now. Right. Definitely. I feel like doing the meditation challenge has been really instrumental because I always meditated, but I don't think I was consistent with it. I don't think I was as consistent in the sense, this is a 21 day challenge. This is your teacher. Mm-hmm. Like, is like mm-hmm. the course you guys are going to go through for 21 days. And like, you're going to check in with this accountability group and let them know that you did it. And then there's also like a writing assignment. So it was like a thing. So I don't mm-hmm. think I had it like be a thing for me. And I think being intentional, okay, like I'm going to sit down, I'm going to meditate. And the way that like Deepak Chopra leads me, I love how he starts you off with like a little talk and then goes into the meditation to where it's like, this is, I love that. This is what we're going to explore today, right? Like today we're going to explore like, um, just like, and I don't even know because sometimes I just get so like wrapped into what he's saying. And I think the most beautiful thing that I've realized during my meditations is like, like flow. And I realize that I'm a, a flow resistor because I like to be in control. And I think while I'm meditating, mm. I would get visions of things. And then I would try to be like, yeah, and I'm going to take it this way. And then it'd be like, oh, but then mm. you stop the whole beautiful vision that was coming to you. Like, cause you wanted right. to other vision. So it's like during the meditation, I've been able to be like, I'm just releasing everything and I've been able to let go of so much and like, just be like, why am I holding on to that? And I've had a lot of pain, right? Because we started this like what, 17 days ago or 15 days, day 16 or something. And I realized that when I first started, I had like my, my heart, my chest for a really long time has been, has, has felt like this weird pain around it. I've had a lot of pain in my heart. And I feel mm. like I've been able to tap into that pain in a different mm. way because when he says, now go within, right. I, I love actually that. go within and then be like, okay, what's up? Like, where is this pain coming from? What do you see? What do you hear? What do you feel? And being able to just be like, oh, wow. Like, it's just, I've been able to see so much of where that pain has like lied in. And I think it's been great because I don't have a really good relationship with my dad, but I was actually able to reach out to him and say like, let's grab coffee. And we had dinner together and we're able to have conversations and going back to that complexity, I was able to look at my dad from a non-judgmental, shameful way of like blaming him for everything he hasn't done and just understanding Mm -hmm. Where does your pain lie? Like, where does your shame mm-hmm. lie? Like, where does like where your where are your regrets? Where does your pride lie? Like, and just understanding that he's just another person, and like I don't blame him for everything that like like his absence. I don't blame him for it. It's just like I understand that my adversity is what created me to be like who I am today, and it was it had to happen that way for whatever reason God intended it to be that way. And I feel like I'm more of an open person now and understanding and um, I've gone through these trials and these tribulations, but it's always at the end of the day made me like this more compassionate, open it, open, vulnerable 
um, person because I know what it's like to deal with that pain. So like, right. And having, I mean, and also your empathy has grown, you know, like in terms of like, remembering to have empathy for yourself and for your dad, and then also for like other people. Like, I think when you've gone through things like that, and when you are so in touch and take the time to understand the pain, then I do think that it allows for you to like, be like, okay, this is why I feel this way, but it doesn't, but you know, and this is how I can relate to other people because we all can't escape pain. Right. Um, And I find it so interesting too, because like, moving now like I mean obviously you're in a relationship and Mm -hmm. I know Mark Mark's been on the podcast guys um but I think the beautiful thing about you and Mark is that you guys are both um really strong individuals and you both really seek like your clarity is like you guys really understand yourselves first and then but yet also like come together to create this like beautiful thing together which is like awesome and I think that that's like what relationships should look like because you guys are two whole ass people supporting each other, creating this like beautiful life. So like, I think it's beautiful. I think the, the thing that I, um, you know, when I was in my relationship with Robert, I was really good at making the time for myself to be like, okay, hold on. I need to like have my morning routine. So like, I need you to separate from me. But mm-hmm. like now, like moving into this like new space where it's like, if someone does like come into my life, it's like, how do you go from like, oh, sure, let's hang out too. Excuse me, I got to go meditate. Like, you know what I mean? Like, how do you find that like, and my co-star told me, or maybe it was the pattern, I don't know, one of the apps told me, um, don't lose yourself in your relationship. Keep seeking your personal development when in relationships. So what do you feel like that's like, maybe in the early stages of relationships, like how do people still find that I got to seek my meditation, my prayer, my morning routines, my journaling, like, but also at the same time, like not freak the other person out by being like, excuse me, wake up in the morning. I'm not grabbing coffee. I'm actually heading to go. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Well, you know what? I think that it's all about um, setting like loving boundaries. And I know that in the beginning of a relationship, it's hard because you just kind of want to be with them all the time. And you like, kind of will be like, Oh, I don't have to do my thing or whatever. I can like hang with you all the time. Um, I think it's important to remember though, that you are gonna like, I think the, the, I think the love and then the bond is going to be even stronger and more interesting if you like keep cultivating yourself. And I think, and if I know something, I definitely know that like in terms of like what I think people feel attracted to. And and I think I can speak like also to what I feel like men, not all men, but I feel like most men are very attracted to is like, a woman who is like pursuing her own thing, like is like working hard, has her independence. And like, I think that that's when they're like, Oh, that's super hot. Like she's has her own podcast. She has her own, like she's writing this and she's, yeah. And then, and you know, she takes care of herself and the wellness, like people definitely pick up on that. And I think um, when I started dating Mark, he was pretty vocal about the things that he was like looking for. And I think that it was important for me to like be aware of the things that I fit into what he was looking for and also not kind of make sure that I wasn't like 
trying to mold myself into that person. Um, because I think that a lot of times people can adjust. Like when you're falling in love with someone, you're like, wow, I didn't realize I wanted a person who was like this, but I love that thing that they do. I've never experienced it. So now I know. Um, but yeah, I think definitely like kind of taking the time to like put on boundaries. And I do think that in the beginning pursuing relationships, it is important to like, just like make sure that, you know, if you're sleeping over somewhere, like maybe it's not every day or you are like, okay, but I do have to do like, I need Saturday morning for myself. So I'm not going to sleep over Friday and stuff like that. And I think that there ends up being a lot more like respect actually from the partner um, or the pursuing person um, that they see like, oh, wow, like she's really into me, but she doesn't need me. Mm -hmm. And that's odd, you know? For sure. Like, I think that like independence and showing it's like, I think I'm definitely at a place in my life where definitely want people, but I don't need anybody. And I'm like very mm -hmm. self, self, -cert. like I'm good. Like I'm good with me and like yeah. a fullness and like friendship and like connecting with people that I don't feel like I need I do seek intimacy though. Like I definitely seek intimacy. Like I think anybody does, Absolutely. but I with, with really, really clear boundaries. But so I want to talk to you about this. Like, obviously I want to dive into like female sexuality with you. Mm -hmm. but I have so much shame around it. Um, and like in my last podcast, I talked a lot about it and I know you listened to it and I, I think it's super interesting because as a kid, I was very in tune with my sexuality. Um, and my mom, you know, like I'm so I'm a Scorpio and I've always just explored my body and been very comfortable. I watched a lot of like pornography as a child, like a lot of it. And so I was very like always curious as to like, you know, I, I just, I was very aware of like sex and like, you know, maybe I should have not been seeing that as a kid, but I, I was, and I'm just like being super open about that. Mm -hmm. And I was very curious and I was, I knew what I was into and what I liked. And I was like, oh, wow, I really am into like, like dominating. And I'm really into like being vulnerable, like our daddy stuff. And then it would always like trickle into this, like, but like, is this bad that I'm watching these things? But I was also very um, cautious because growing up, my mom always told me um, around my virginity, she was very like, you know, she was very adamant about me waiting for a really long time because she says that her first experience was really bad. And so my mom was trying to protect me, but she almost shamed me around my virginity because she was saying that it was going to be bad no matter what. Like she said, your first time will always be bad. And so she was mm. trying to protect me, trying to protect me. Um, and I always had a lot of relationships with guys. Like I always loved boys. I always had crushes, like literally since I can remember, like first grade, I I also was very sexual as a kid. Like I had a lot of sexual experiences with little kids. So when I was a little kid, I, you know, would kiss like a lot of boys or mean boys would like mm -hmm. go to corners and we would like touch each other. And like, you know, so I was, I, I was very open with my sexuality because growing up, I've always been very sexual. Like I was never, um, you know, in my other podcast, I talked about how my mom would walk in on me like as a four-year-old, like sitting in front of a mirror, like spread eagle just like hanging out with myself and the doctor was like don't shame her like she's exploring her sexuality and mm -hmm. so he was like yo this is me like I can do that like I, it's just part of who I am 
but I feel like the long, the more I've walked through my life, the more some things were shamed. So whether it was like, you know, um, I feel like once obviously I was not an adolescent and I was like playing with my friends and being like sexual, um, I just like started developing like crushes on guys. And I was very like careful as to like, you know, I, I, I just like would kiss them. I wouldn't do anything. I mm-hmm. first base, second base, third base. Like I didn't go to like second base with like my boyfriend till I was in like a freshman in high school. And I was like, Oh my God, this is so crazy, but so fun. Like, what are you doing? You know what I mean? Like, and right. I like saved my virginity till I was like 18 years old. And I remember like my boyfriends would get so mad at me. Cause they'd be like, like one boyfriend was like, you think your vagina is made out of gold. Like, why are you so like adamant about not giving it to me? And I'm like, dude, I just like, don't, it has to be special. My mom's put so much pressure yeah. on it to be this special moment. And then I met this guy that was like my friend. Um, and he was like my first boyfriend and he was so sweet and he was a virgin and I was a virgin. And like, we were like in a relationship together and we were like, let's do it. And it was like, perfect. It was beautiful. It was like, we, he put candles and it was like this beautiful experience. And then when I told my mom, I did it, she shamed me and she was like, see, I told you it was going to be bad. Like, why did you do it? Like how it was like this, like awful thing that I had done. And I was very confused because I was like, but, but I told you, like, I'm so confused. Like you've always told me to be open with you. And like, it wasn't a bad experience. Like I thought it was mm-hmm. a beautiful experience. And so I feel like a lot of shame came through that. And then yeah. like, with you, um, after my first time, I moved into my second relationship where I told you it was um, someone I was very attracted to, someone I was very much in love with. And he was a little bit older than me. Um, and he like cheated on me, um, twice with a close friend of mine. And I like saw text messages of him, like talking bad about me, sleeping with one of my best friends. And he was really, really, really emotionally abusive. And I think it spiraled me into this, um, really unhealthy kind of like seeking love through just sleeping with people. And Mm -hmm. I used to have a lot of shame around it. Like, I didn't want to tell people I did that because it made me feel like I did something wrong. But when I was doing it, like I have journals during those periods of my time where I would say I'm spreading my Royal Oats and experiencing my life through sex. And like, I'm enjoying this and there's nothing wrong with being sexual with guys. And, and I will say like, I had some amazing sexual experiences. Like I was in Jamaica and I was like, mm-hmm. this is amazing. Like there were so many amazing <laughs> things that I was like, free and fun. And like, I, in that time period, I was also very much myself and like having so much fun and just being free and not feeling like I needed to shame myself. But in turn, every time I did it, I would feel empty and sad and like shame, 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 shame to the point when then I finally found my partner, Robert, I was filled with shame. Like all I had was shame of like, this whole experience of roller coaster that I went on that for him to even be near me was like, you know, I had trauma. Like I literally had trauma because I also, you know, this is super vulnerable, but I was, I was raped by one of my friends and that really affected me really bad because, um, he didn't consider it rape. Um, but I, it was not consensual. And mm-hmm. I, I think this is the biggest thing that I feel like people don't talk about. Yeah. Um, I feel like 
for example, I left my relationship not because it was like he cheated on me, he treated me bad. It was like more like deeper than that. And so with rape, it's like the media makes it look like, oh, you got drunk, this is what happened. Like rape looks like play. And if it doesn't fit in that category, then it wasn't that. But the the matter is, is that he was my friend. I was passed out. It was not consensual. And I Mm -hmm. woke up being forced to do something. And then he shamed me around the fact that saying that I was a whore and that I let him on and that it was a lie and stopped telling people that I, that I, that he had raped me and that, you know, um, that like just telling that like all these lies that I was this horrible person and like, how dare I like assume, you know, and my brother, I told my brother and they took me to the doctor. The doctors were like, well, we can only do a rape kit if you report it to the police. And it was like this huge thing. I was like, dude, I don't want to make it this big drama. Like, I just want to forget about this and never have Mm -hmm. to do this. But it was like these little things that created so much shame. And then it makes me realize like, well, this is all your fault, Elizabeth, because if you weren't seeking love, if you weren't seeking intimacy, if you would have not just been hanging out at your friend's house in the middle of the night, then you would have never been in this position. And it's your fault. Like you should be responsible. You need to be careful. Like people will take advantage of you. And it's like all of these little things that trickled into like, you know, my sex. And so when I would have tried to be intimate with my partner, I couldn't because I would have all yeah. of the voices and the shame that would just like consume me that I was like, dude, I can't even be intimate because of like how much I allowed myself to be hurt. Right. And it's like, and then I went to Los Angeles and I was doing this branding workshop with this woman named Bonnie Gillespie and she brands you as an actor. And she's like, this mm-hmm. is what you did. And they're like, okay, so what do you think like you are? Like, where do you fit in the industry? I'm like, well, I'm like the quirky best friend and I'm like this and that. And they're like, no, honey, you're like the JLo. You're like the girl that everybody wants, but like the guy, the girls are envious. You're like the head cheerleader. You're like the one, you're like, like literally like the one that the guy falls in love with, but like, you're like the sexy type. And I'm like, what? No, I'm not. Mm-hmm. And they're like, yes, you are. I'm like, no, I'm not. And mm. I broke down because Bonnie goes, you try to mask your beauty. Like, she's like, there's, she's like, you can be confused about so many things in this world, like which career path to take, but don't be confused about you, honey. Like, don't be confused that you're beautiful and sexy and like Hispanic. And like, you have this, like, this like sexiness to you just like exude sex. And I'm like, but I don't want to exude that. Right. I don't want that. Like, because I had so much shame around it, you know? Mm-hmm. And I just felt like it was the first time that I realized, like, how can I learn to be, like, beautiful and sexy without having to feel, like, you know? Shame. Shamed. Yeah. Or, like, I, I shared this in one of my podcasts where I was, like, walking down the street and this guy, like pretty much like sexually assaulted me was like saying that like he he was saying things to me like oh like you want me to help you walk your dog and I'm like nah I'm good and it was this older man and then when I told him no he you know he was telling me like oh baby come on like baby you know telling me things like I'm like dude do you know how old I am I'm 17 years old you pervert and I'm obviously not 17 but I was telling him that and I was like Mm -hmm. do you have a daughter like would you want some random guy telling your daughter, like, oh, come on, baby, let me help you walk your dog. Mind you, I'm literally outside. Like, this is a random experience that did not need to happen. And the guy's like, 
He's like, oh, wow, screw you, you whore. Screw you, you whore. He's like, you're so ugly. You're so ugly. And I'm like, dude, fuck you, man. Fuck you. Like, I've done nothing wrong. And then I tell my partner, he's like, well, what were you wearing? It's like, why is that the world I live in? Why is the world I live in where it's like, what do you mean? What was I wearing? So I, as the victim here, which mind you, Mm -hmm. can't even say anything about being a victim because now it's like being a victim is such a bad thing. It's like me as a person that's like just walking through my life. Like, why do you get to cat call me? Like, why do I, why am I going to work? And you're like, Hey mommy, how you doing? Like, no, don't talk to me like that. Like, I'm not just like this piece of meat. Like, and when men do that while I'm walking, like, Mm-hmm. that peeve and it's like don't cat call me like it's just like it's the biggest disrespect and like it bothers me so much so I right. feel like I just have so much of like this you know and even now like what we've talked about like you know I have like this weird pride thing where it's like I don't want to like dive into like dating apps I'm so scared of letting guys in I'm so like weird about the pursuit and like if I sleep with a guy, will he respect me? Like, where does that lie? Like, I feel like there's so much around that. So I don't mm-hmm. know. Like, what do you feel? <laughs> well, firstly, I mean, I, man, this is, this is so, such a crazy, like complicated topic because I think that like, you know, the sexuality that like I write about and then I try to celebrate and explore. And by the way, I'm so glad that that um, acting coach, you know, said that to you and tried and, and, you know, really wanted you to own like your beauty and own like your sensuality. I think that that's so important. Um, but it's hard cause it's like, there's that, there's that element of like what, what I'm talking about, what I'm writing about. And then there's all the layers of like society and like also like what women have to go through with like the me too movement and like, and just having, and it really is like a me too thing because, you know, a lot of the stories you were talking about, like the things that have happened to you, like I have very similar stories of those things that have happened to me as well. And, um, and you know, it's not, un- it's so easy to find like women who've all been through these different kinds of like sexual harassment. And I think that is hard because it does end up like being pointed towards us being our fault. Um, I think that as I've like kind of explored this part of who I am and also this topic in general, it's been about having to like know that your sensuality, your sexuality is not just like about, I guess, like the raunchy sex or whatever. It's also just about like, who you are and like your feminine power and your feminine goddess and the, and like that you are like when I, I I believe like, you know, we're our ancestors, like everyone, like wild women and people who are like, we have so much rich richness to us. And I think that it's like a lot of times it's society that shuts us down, that tells us it's wrong, that tells us it's bad and shame is so normal. I mean, not normal, but like not normal in a good way but just like it is becomes part of us and I think we all have been there we've been shamed for owning that part of who we are and then when that happens it's so traumatic like we shut down and we shut down that part of who we are and I think you know with sexuality something that I've explored and I've 
I, I think the reason I want to write about it so much was because, well, one, to like normalize it and not just normalize our sexuality in general, but even the specificity of it, like of there's so much like, like things, there's so much um, like crazy fantasies and desires that we have and that we think about. And we were like, oh, this is so crazy. This is so weird. Like, I don't want anyone to think that I'm thinking this. And, um, but the truth is it's not as crazy and weird as we think it is. It isn't that insane to like imagine like, all of the things that are in our mind or to see someone and feel something automatically. Like this is part of our humanness. And I think that women, like and the reason why I'm most interested in like women's uh, sexuality, because I, I do think it happens with men too, but I think like because of what everything that you're talking about with society, like we get like kind of like, I don't know, like our, us as like sexual beings is, really like it ends up being like hyper uh promoted and i actually just like listened to this um interview with like scarlett johansson and, and she's kind of similar to like what you're saying she said she was sort of like pinned at this sort of like ingenue like sexual type and she's always been in these roles where she actually never felt like that was who she was like she was like i never really asked to be in these roles I never that's not like she just loved acting and she didn't necessarily always want to be this like hypersexual um character and I think like women like in media and stuff were a lot of times like I mean we're so portrayed in that way and I think it ends up making us feel like we have to turn that side of ourselves off or feel bad for it or feel like oh all they want or all they're interested in is like my sexuality um and especially you know if you're someone like you who's like a very like naturally beautiful and like like sexy woman like then you feel like you have to like turn that off but I feel like actually like it's about I think I think almost like that Deepak Chopra like meditation it's about like going within and exploring and figuring out what you like and how what you like sexually, what you like as a woman and things that turn you on and knowing that and knowing it inside yourself. It's a lot about like knowing yourself versus like what the world wants to see, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. It does. I feel like, I'm so glad we're talking about this. First of all, I feel like it's so many layers and it's so complex and I'm, I feel like we could talk about this all day. I think um, I love Eat, Pray, Love, um, like Elizabeth Gilbert mm-hmm. talked about her, like City of Girls and all of that. And I'm, we know her. I just sent you that other woman. Um, what was her name? I think it's like Catherine something. And she's also very much like this, like pussy activist. And I'm like, oh my God, she's like so funny. And like having these women that are super in tune with their sexuality and using it to their power and I think that I'm trying to find this really safe balance um, even when it comes to like dating and uh, like how much time should I allow myself before I, you know, start pursuing other people. And like, I think also something that's really interesting to kind of like explore for a little bit is just like the game. Um, I feel like because now that I'm back in, you know, this, this pursuit of like, you know, relationships. um, I don't know if you've ever read the book, why men love bitches. It's like, 
one of my favorite books. Oh, yeah. I think I, I, I've, like, skimmed through it in a bookstore, yeah. So it's, like, literally became my holy grail at one point in life. I was always into, obviously, like I've said, I've always been into sex, and I love, I always used to say I was going to be a sexologist when I was a kid. Like, like not when I was a kid, like, mid way of saying I want to be an actor, but I also might want to be a sexologist. Like I just loved exploring these kind of dynamics. And the book talks about a lot about the game, like, you know, the pursuit, mm-hmm. let a guy pursue you and, you know, not giving away all your candy and acting dumb as a fuck mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. and not like not letting him know that you like him too much. Um, and how like to go from a doormat girl to like a dream girl, whereas like the dream mm. girl, like, she like owns her worth. She knows who she is. She doesn't need a man. Like, Whereas like the, the, the doormat girl is very like, why didn't you call me? Like, so it's like these dynamics of women. Um, and I think it's hard because I feel like even Elizabeth Gilbert talks about this. Like there's a point in a woman's life where she's so of her feminine, like her, that she becomes a predator because she knows what she wants and she goes about it almost in a predator way by being, you're the one I want. And then the guy actually ends up becoming like, the, the the one that has to kind of like submit so I feel like I'm kind of in that position where it's like I'm being more of a predator and I feel like it's like this thing where how do you feel about women taking the predator approach or not even predator approach. like the yeah. approach and like what do you do you feel like you know because in my faith, they'll always talk about like, if you don't let the man do the work and like, let him develop as a man and like pursue you, why would mm-hmm. he work while he's in the relationship? So I feel like I clash mm-hmm. with times. It's like, I understand that, but I don't think it's anything wrong with being the one to initiate. I don't think there's anything wrong with being like, I like you. I want you. Let's, you know, explore this. Yeah. Where's that? Like, well, yeah. Oh, so one thing I want to add about the Elizabeth Gilbert thing is that um, there's also a sentence there. She's like, there comes a time in your life where in City of Girls, the book, um, there comes a le- time in your life where you're just so over and sick of being sh- um, filled with shame. And that's not like the exact quote, but it's such a good book around all of this stuff. And it's amazing. Um, but okay, so your question about that, I mean, Here's the thing, when I was dating, um, I was having the same, like, same kind of, like, dilemmas where I felt like I would, there was a lot of times where I found someone and I had a crush on them, and I, they were, like, kind of doing things, but, like, they weren't moving fast enough, and I really wanted to advance things, but I was always trying to, like, you know, I think you're right. Like as women, we're always told, like, don't do anything. Like, don't do anything. Don't give them attention. Don't even look at them. Like, don't do shit. Like, just like have them come to you. And I think that that became like, like, yes, like there, I, I see benefits of it. And I see that like men do get like drawn into like, they're like the mystery of things. But I think that it can be very frustrating, especially for women who like to take charge mm-hmm. and like to like get what we want and know what we want, you know? Right. And so I remember I talked to one of my guy friends about this and I was just like, you know, it's, it's hard because like I want to text this guy and like he hasn't texted me and like I don't know what to do and like I can't do anything. He's like, well, what do you mean you can't do anything? And I was like, well, I have to, like, I'm waiting for him to contact me. He was like, no. He was like, Eileen, you don't need to do that. Like, he's like, if you like him, just text him. He's like, I love it when a girl, like, asks me out. I love it when a girl texts me and, like, initiates a conversation. Like, it's so fun and it's hot and stuff. And, yeah. um, and I, so 
absolutely. I think that, you know, I know that that's a myth out there, but I know a lot of like relationships and couples that have, are like now, you know, working out and it started with one person pursuing them. I mean, I think, I think it always feels good if someone's pursuing us for sure, but yes, like text him, call him. I think that's the biggest thing. It's like my brother told me like, honey, you live in like 2020. You're talking about like female equality, like Mm -hmm. about equality. Then like, you need to also take ownership and like, maybe that's not the way the roles are going to be anymore. Like maybe sometimes it could just be equal. So I think it's like finding this like common ground of like where, is it like a push and pull where it's not like, it's not always the girl doing the pursuing where it's not always the guy doing the pursuing. And maybe it's a little bit of both. Um, Absolutely. I think it has to be a little bit of both. I mean, I, for me, I know like when I think, I mean, I think Mark was definitely the pursuer in the beginning, but after like he made the effort for the first like date or two, I was like, okay, I definitely now have to be the one to like, like, you know, have the date idea. (laughs) Um, (laughs) um, Like I have to like come up with a date idea. I have to like make a move or else if I just sit there and like expect him to do everything all the time, then, um, you know, it's not really going to (laughs) like, it's just not going to like go forward at the same time. And someone's going to get frustrated. So, so let's talk about like, let's leave the podcast with this. Um, yes, I want to challenge my audience by giving them one thing to take away, either take away from this conversation or just take away with like something that you feel like is super monumental that happens in your life, whether it's a habit, whether it's something that you feel like you have in your life, that if you can share this with the audience right now, that if they start kind of like cultivating that, it can kind of challenge their life in some way so that way get into some sort of practice or something like what's one thing you would want to leave the audience with okay this is hard because i have a few of them um um can i say two oh yeah say as many as you want okay so one thing i would say is um meditation i mean if there's one thing like i i think having a history of like having anxiety and stuff like Meditation is such a great like antidote for like the way we should live our lives in general and just like like always tuning into the present moment. Um, if they, I want to get very specific, it would be this 21 day abundance challenge meditation because, and I'm sure you can like share that or something, but yeah. I think that that was like really, um, it's special because it really makes you do a little bit more work on like just getting to know yourself. Um, And then the second thing I would say, which maybe sounds silly, but I, so I kind of realized recently that my like self-love thing, I think is my skincare routines. Um, So I got really into skincare in the past year and um, it was just through like watching a lot of YouTube and, um, and I feel like that is like the time where I feel like I'm the most like loving of myself. Like I'm like, just like you know, finding out exactly what works for me and like just taking this time like twice a day to just like sit in front of the mirror and I just feel so relaxed and I'm like putting, you know, giving my skin like all these like nutrients and like just taking care of it. And you have really beautiful skin. So like I'm sure you have a whole routine. 
But I guess the, the, the tip would be find the thing that makes you feel like you're really like loving on yourself, mm-hmm. like for once or twice a day, even if it's just for like 15 minutes. And for me, when I do that, I always feel like just that I'm like giving myself something and it might take me like a long time. Like I'll do like eye masks sometimes and just all these things just make me feel like I'm truly giving myself some some love in so that would be my second thing is to find something whether it is a skincare routine um what something that you do 15 minutes every day but just like sitting with your tea and like journaling or something yeah oh i love that so much and i can relate to that i used to in college try to do my makeup really fast and i would realize like why don't you just sit down and like take your time process of like becoming beautiful and you know and like this is an art that you're doing like you're crafting your beauty right now totally I've, I've made it into an art and like i'll play um sometimes i'll play like a master class video or i'll take a youtube video or whatever and so i'll be like i'm taking this time to like relax and like watch something while i do this to myself so make it into like a ritual versus like i gotta do this really fast you know like a task versus like no it's like my self-care and my self-love Beautiful, yes. beautiful, beautiful. I love that so much. Okay, where can the audience find you? Um, on Instagram, um, it's I, at Eileen Kyoko. Amazing. Okay, thank you so much again. And I love thank you. Love you too. Thank you for having me. And there you guys have it. That was episode 35 with Eileen. I hope you guys really enjoyed that. It was a really in-depth conversation for me. I feel like I was able to really connect with her and we were able to go in both really deep and explore some different ideas and I hope that inspired you whether you're an aspiring writer, playwright, um, just a female listening in, sharing, relating, if you're a male listening in and share some of these similar aspects. I hope that you feel enlightened, I feel that you feel seen, I hope that you feel heard and empowered. Um, I hope that this brought you a little bit of light in today's day and if you did enjoy this episode i really hope and pray that you share it with a couple of friends let them know like hey this is a dope podcast check it out share it on social media um do a little screen grab and share it on your story so i can share it on mine and uh, we can spread some awareness of the podcast and be sure to like it review it all of that good stuff um yeah i pray and hope that you embrace your inner sexuality and know that it's nothing to be ashamed of it's a beautiful thing you are a beautiful thing know your worth know your value know that you are special and um yeah i'll see you guys next week keep on shining